0: Welcome to the second season of the podcast, Jesus Has Left the Building. We'll hear from people from Black Forest Community Church who have been engaging in creative, bold, and fluid, outside the box—I mean, outside the church building—ministries that have inspired us. Our topic of discussion is love. Love in action, revolutionary love, radical love. This is the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where ministers, people of faith, activists and church leaders have left the building too with marta and mandy in today's episode we conclude our study of the newly released book love is the way holding on to hope in troubling times by bishop michael curry the presiding bishop of the episcopal church in the u.s we talk about the final chapters of the book and how it all relates to transfiguration sunday valentine's day and this particular moment in the history of our nation we're grateful to be joined again by church members Sharon Grady, Leslie Sheely, and Roger Butts.
1: Now is the time in our service when we invite you to go and get your Bible and break that open. Um, the first scripture text, which is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Bishop Curry also reference references this text on page 233 of his newly published book, Love is the Way. The second um story we want to tell comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 9:28 through 36 and this is the transfiguration story which is one of my favorite and is also a very weird story but I was super excited when Mandy asked me to tell this story and began to act it out in her office last week. I'll do a little bit of that this morning, but probably not quite as dramatic. It goes like this. Jesus had been with the crowds for weeks, and he began to get weary, and he needed a break. So one afternoon, he grabbed a few of his buddies, his closest friends, Peter and John, and James, and he invited them for a late afternoon hike up the mountain on the edge of town. Perhaps it looked a little bit like Colorado Springs. And they went up the mountain and they were hiking and they grew tired. And so they found a flat space where they could stop and rest. And they did just that. They sat down and took sips of water and popped olives and dates. I'm assuming they brought some snacks. They also closed their eyes and felt the sun on their faces as they prayed and quieted their minds and hearts. And as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And then all of a the sudden, there were two other men with him and talking with him. The ancient, divine prophets, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of Jesus's departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that you are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He wanted to set up a sanctuary, a a space where they could always come back and worship. Peter wanted to memorialize this space for Jesus and Elijah and Moses. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed shadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my beloved one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and told no one. In fact, Jesus said, when we go back to town, do not let anybody know of what has happened. Amen.
2: So today is this convergence of several really cool things. Um, We're discussing the final chapters of this book, uh, Love is the Way by Bishop Michael Curry. It's also the final Sunday of the season of, of Epiphany, which is known as Transfiguration Sunday, and it's Valentine's Day. And so it's this interesting convergence of things. When Marta and I planned this, um, this series around this book, these six weeks, I didn't think, Marta, I don't know if you did. Um, I don't think we paid any attention to the fact that um the final week of love is the way would be valentine's day i have to be honest valentine's day is not my favorite holiday it seems like it's focused on that love that we have been trying so hard to get away from as we've been talking about this book that saccharine sweet um kind of love that is very different than the agape love that we have discussed in this book but it's interesting that all of these things have converged together and that this Sunday transfiguration Sunday is the Sunday when we talk about G one of Jesus's mountaintop experiences. He goes up with his friends. When Martha was in my office that morning, um, after I asked her to tell the transfiguration story, she called, um, Peter and James and John, Jesus' besties. I like to think of it that way too. Um, So he goes up onto the mountain with his besties and he experiences God's love as they all hear the voice of God say, this is my beloved son. Like I said, it's totally coincidental that Transfiguration Sunday lies on the same Sunday that we're talking about chapter 12 of Love is the Way, because in this chapter, Bishop Curry talks about his own mountaintop experiences. He calls these mountaintop experiences um, also thinks about the idea that the um, Celts talked about of thin spaces. These moments when your jaw drops and words don't rise to the occasion. The world, this world, is touched by another world, and human beings encounter the divine. We experience God. One of those moments for Bishop Curry was flying over an actual mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro. You can imagine what a powerful moment that would be. He says that his jaw. Dropped, he felt a shiver down his spine, and he was reminded of the words of the familiar hymn Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, How great thou art! How great thou art! That moment of transfiguration was also one of those moments. Jesus, who was, remember, fully human, along with Peter and James and John, experienced God with jaws dropped and no words to express that thin space that they had found themselves in. And then, of course, as soon as it was over, Peter wanted to memorialize it. He wanted to put up monuments. He wanted to remember forever that thin place. But as Bishop Curry says, we can't live on the mountaintop, but the mountaintop can live In us, I know that for myself, those thin spaces, I want to stay there forever, and yet I can't, right? But I go back to them in my memory, and it is powerful. So, I guess the question then is how do we let the mountaintop experience live in us? I think we find some kind of answer, as much of an answer as we ever do. In this verse that Marta shared from 1 John, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. So, in order to let that mountaintop live within us, we must love. And as we discussed, as we've worked our way through this book, it is not easy. It's not that simple. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Just tell people you love them sort of a love. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, who, you know, I love says it like this. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. Love is an active noun, just like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and now. It's a struggle. We just want to stay on the mountaintop, up in those cozy little tents we've built. But we can't stay there reveling in this thin space forever. We have to come down from the mountain. Oftentimes we don't even get to tell anyone about those amazing things we've seen and experienced. And we have to do the hard, hard work of love because when we know God, we know love and we must heed the call. Beloved, let us love one another. This morning we've asked Sharon, Grady, and Leslie Sheely to share some thoughts. Um, we would love to hear what you're thinking about what these chapters 11 and 12 brought up for you or maybe stories of your own mountaintop experiences where you've really felt god's love maybe were you able to come back down from the mountain and share that love or was it just too hard or anything else you want to share as we wrap up the whole book and this study of love is the way. Sharon, do you wanna lead us off?
3: Well, I will. I don't know that I want to lead, but (laughs) uh, um, I will. And I will just share with you that this has been, for me, a very, very heavy, difficult month.
1: Hmm.
3: It's Black History Month. Today is Valentine's Day. Today is the third anniversary of the massacre in Florida, where 17 people lost their lives due to gun violence. It is one year essentially until the time that the COVID-19 pandemic shut down this country. So many of us are mourning losses both the loss of life the loss of leadership even um, the loss of our belief in truth as Mm -hmm. science has uh, laid out so it has been a difficult month and yesterday was a bit of a hit as well because And I'm sorry if I'm wading into waters that make anyone uncomfortable. But for me, seeing what happened in the Senate was a reminder of our fragile democracy. It was a remembrance of how important it is to model courage when and however we can And it is a question of who dares to dream better for our country. Mm. So I will share also that during this time of reading Bishop Curry's book and thinking about love, specifically agape love, I wondered if that might be too much of a challenge for me as one individual, whether I am in fact capable of agape love. And I did a lot of reading. I read the definitions. And at some point I came across uh, an article in Psychology Today. Uh, I found this at Psychology Today and it defines agape love as altruism. A social level, at a social level, altruism serves as a signal of cooperative intentions and also of resource availability. Reciprocity is involved more generally altruism or agape helps to build and maintain the psychological, social, environmental fabric that shields, sustains, and enriches us. That, to me, is a more manageable understanding of agape and my ability to engage in that way, in the thought that I am able to extend that to others is what came through. But I also was reminded, and I was reading this on a different website, that while agape is the highest form of love, And it is not dependent on any other person to do or be anything. God's love for humankind is what agape is all about. It is the divine love that comes from God. It is perfect. It is unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. God has faith in humankind that frankly, I do not have. Doesn't that make sense? I am after all human. Hmm. I am willing to say that um, for me, agape means to do no harm to others. To me, it means extending grace whenever and wherever I can, however I can, whether people know my heart or not. I will share with you that many years ago, well, not many, I'm old, so um, I was in Japan. I was on a temporary duty assignment. I had a team of about 40 people. I was the commander of the team. And on this one weekend, we were, um, I had signed up the one weekend that I was there and had the ability to sign up for an outing. And I signed up to go on this trip to Mount Fuji. Mm. And as it happened on that day, the bus carted us away to Mount Fuji, we hoped, until we saw the snowflakes. And at some point soon realized that we were probably not going to make it to Mount Fuji. And so I'd seen all of these beautiful pictures of Mount Fuji. I was so excited. And then the bus driver said, we're not going to go there. Because the roads are too treacherous. We can't make it we will go instead to this little forested area and you can uh, see this beautiful space. Uh, there was the Shinto shrine, which is where the, the Japanese religious leaders were and, and uh, it was a forested area, literally. And so he drove the bus into this area And there we were. The Shinto shrine was on one side. And in the midst of this this forest, there were these trees, massive, massive trees. I had never seen anything like it. It was in the midst of those trees that I felt my smallest, my humblest and I had a sense of how I, as one person, was just this tiny speck on the entire spectrum of humanity. And that is a moment that will stay with me forever. Mm -hmm. I felt my smallest, but realizing that was one of the greatest gifts. I ever received, and it reminded me that as one person, I can only do so much, but that's okay. And as I was kind of preparing to say a few words today, uh, I recalled that for every decade of my life, since I was in my teens, until now, I have engaged in some kind of volunteer activity. I've done everything from uh, being a volunteer ESL, uh, English as a second language tutor, I'm currently serving on a board, I have done um, um, uh, volunteering at the Fine Arts Center in Colorado Springs. But I have no idea where that sense of volunteerism came from. I am, however, grateful that it is something that I feel passionately about and that I started at such a young age engaging in volunteer activities. And so even though I don't necessarily think of myself As someone who wholly embraces or thinks that I can engage in agape, I think for me that I have, and I will continue to, in my volunteerism, to engage in that way, which allows me to extend the grace and to do no harm whenever possible.
1: Mm. I know you have struggled in the in the last three years that I've known you. I know that you've struggled with this idea of love. Um, it came up a little bit when we were creating our purpose and vision. You spoke a little bit of it. Um, but what I love about what you said is that um, that in, it's almost like in your mere struggle of learning about it and being curious and researching and looking at definitions. It's like in that, curiosity and wonderment of all of it, that that in itself is agape love. Um, and it's such a model to the rest of us to acknowledge that, yes, you're human, you are, are not going to say 100% um, that you fall in line with this idea, but that you're gonna struggle with it. And I think that is um, that is what we're all called to do as people of faith. Um, so I really appreciate
2: your sharing today. Thank you, Sharon. I love, um, how the, that image of your mountaintop experience that wasn't actually on the mountaintop, um, provides this picture into yes, how small each one of us is, um, but how much we can actually do, how, how much we can do when we do that together. So thank you for that piece. Leslie, what do you have for us this morning?
4: Well, Sharon is hard to follow. But <laughs> it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, chapter 11 was, does love mean avoiding politics? And when I read that question, I thought I sure could have used this chapter, particularly the last four years, but you know, many times through the years, right? And um, Curry, he obviously he gives suggestions as to how to follow the way of love when it comes to politics. And so some of the things that really um, caught my attention is, is we have to shift the conversation to higher ground, above and beyond the politics and search for values and principles that we share. And I have seen people in our church do this on social media. Um, and it's been eye-opening and, and inspirational to me. Marta, Mandy, Roger, Russ, Olivia, it, and probably others I'm missing. But I have, I have watched them. I have read how they have handled uh, people who are blatantly rude and, and kind of nasty. Um, and I've seen them take the high road and try to tell them their truths and why they believe in what they believe. Um, it's kind of going back to that storytelling that Curry mentioned in early, earlier chapters where we have to share our truth with each other. And then he says, it's it's more possible to find genuine common ground. And then when you go back to discussing political issues, it can come from a different perspective and place. And I really, I really like that, that um, I'm gonna keep working on that. And he says to treat people in the same way that uh, you want them to treat you. Um, And I love this part. And he said, and if people don't believe that, then there is the example of the Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all. And he says again, for all. Um, And then to talk together, once you've kind of come up with your common values about how to apply those to the current challenges. You know, where can we work together to get things done and to remember to build on the positive and what can be done and not always be looking at, well, we can't do this. We've always done it that way. Um, and I love how he ends the chapter where he's talking about love is the way when you're trying to live that way of life. It's about loving people we like and don't like, loving the people we agree with and we don't agree with, loving our Democrat, Republican, and independent family and friends and neighbors, And then he goes on to give a lot more examples, but basically to love other people as we love ourselves. But to me, I think we have to remember to love ourselves the way God loves us, because sadly, there's a lot of people who don't, you know, love themselves and they're not very good to themselves. So we have to go back to that loving, learning to love ourselves the way God loves us. And in chapter 12, that mountaintop experience, I really struggled with trying to figure out my mountaintop experience. I mean, I know God loves me, He loves everyone. But I think I finally figured out that my mountaintop experience uh, was when my son Wyatt was born, you know, and when the nurse hands you that baby, you know, that baby that was just born, it's, it's a baby that God knit in your womb and that he created in his own likeness. He created, you know, for a special purpose. And I just felt like for the briefest moment, maybe I was gazing upon the face of God and And, if nothing else, I was experiencing the truest and purest form of love because you you just do look at them and you love them unconditionally, you don't even know them other than that they're kicking the heck out of you for you know seven months, and to me, that was my mountaintop experience
2: thanks Leslie. um yeah, that moment of um childbirth for those people who have experienced that in whatever way i think the thing about it is that it hurts too right it's painful it's um birthing something into the world is not um that super sweet love it is work it is struggle it is labor um so that's a really great image for um for that mountaintop experience
3: in the process of preparing for this this time together, um, I kept returning to chapter six of um, uh, Bishop Curry's book. And uh, to the point you just made, Mandy, about struggle, the progress of moving forward and then moving backward. Mm -hmm. The name of the chapter is It Is or It's not easy. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. These are words that Bishop Curry cited from Frederick Douglass. Mm. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet depreciate agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. And so I go back to chapter six, whenever I'm feeling the weight of so many things that are not making me terribly happy right now. I want to be on the happiness road all the time and think that things are always going to get better and improvements will be made, but that isn't life. What is life is a recognition of the truth. And the truth is that struggle is weighty. It's uncomfortable, it's necessary. And we have to keep moving forward.
1: Roger, do you um, want to give a little um, quick thoughts on um, either um, what we have talked about this morning or what's coming ahead of us. Um.
5: Yeah, of course. I, um, I'm i so excited that this book has been published um, and I never knew that a book would come out of my personhood. I always wanted it to happen, but um, I'm so delighted that it's out. And um, the next five weeks or so, six weeks, I don't know how long during this time, Before Easter, we're going to select just a few of the small reflections, prayers, and the reflection questions um, to reflect on as we move through Lent. And um, so I'm really honored that you guys are going to read this book together and talk about it.
1: In our closing this morning, Roger is going to read an excerpt that he wrote about Transfiguration Sunday. Yeah, I'm just going to read the Seeds end of, of devotion.
5: it from this book, Seeds of Devotion. This is called Keep the Bible Weird. You know, um, this whole transfiguration story is just an odd, odd story. So I say up until chapter nine of Mark, he's been um, just very Jesus-like, normal Jesus stuff, feeding the poor, hanging out with people that others won't hang out with. And then all of a sudden the transfiguration happens and it's very, very strange. The really odd parables and the really weird miracles and especially the moments like the transfiguration, those keep you on your toes. Those turn upside down all your expectations and say, woo wake up, pay attention. Life isn't A, then B, then C, then D. Sometimes life is messy, weird, chaotic, Pay attention to those times too. Life is really weird. And in the midst of the weirdness, the crazy little secret is that you're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. All will be well, all will be well. All manner of things will be well. How awesome is it that God can speak from a cloud over your head and speak to your friends saying things like, hey, this is my beloved. You're my beloved. Look at all the ways of being in the world. It's beautiful and it's good.
0: This is the final episode of season two, but you don't have to wait long to hear from us again. Season three of the podcast kicks off on February 24th as we discuss the juxtaposition of social justice and contemplation and rest, especially during the season of Lent. We've got an amazing lineup of guests, so be sure to check it out.
1: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Find us on Facebook at Black Forest Community Church United Church of Christ and message us to learn how you can be a part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world. To support our work, search for Black Forest Community Church on Venmo to make a one-time donation or a regular commitment With as little as $1 a month, you'll get regular communications and updates about our stories. Thank you to all those people that support and listen. We could not do this without you.